Stan, I'm an alcoholic. And I'm sober tonight, and we talk about the first step. We admitted that we're um, powerless over alcohol, and our lives have become unmanageable. My life was unmanageable way before I picked up a drink. I was a seven-year-old little boy. I didn't pick up the drink, but my father did, and I lived with a father that was an alcoholic, mother, uncles, aunties. So I seen a lot of things way before I picked it up. And I remember being in Ballarat at the age of seven with my dad, and he said, come on, son, after he belted my mother, he said, come on, we're going to Adelaide. So we went out on the road, and I remember out on the, at the um, start of um, Ballarat Road, they were hitchhiking up to Adelaide. And we arrived, in, um, we arrived in Whitmore Square in Adelaide, and the first place we went was there, and there was people sitting around there, they were drinking, and, and the same sort of thing they were doing where I left them in Ballarat. So I'm seven-year-old thinking to myself, gee, this is all right, this is, this is, this is exciting, I don't have to go to school, I'm going to learn my life living with my father like this. And that's what happened. We went there, we went from there back to Melbourne, back to the Champion, the Robber Roy, the Builders, um, and all those sort of pubs down here. And then we were up in Sydney, up Redfern there, Newtown, McDonald Town, and went up to uh, Brisbane, to Mosgrove Park. So I've seen every park in this country before I was 16 years old. And, um, and that was just the way it was. I didn't know any better, you know. Kids were off to, going off to school, and I was sitting in the park with my dad when my dad was getting drunk. And at night time, he'd tell me stories under the stars about different things, and, and that was my excitement, you know. That was it. So um, I lived like that right until I was 16, and then I, um, I sort of got a bit over that sort of thing, and then I went back to Shepparton, and my uncles and aunties were there, and I, that's where I got introduced to my family down there, and they're all sitting around the backyard, listening to Charlie Pride, Roy Orbison, and Mo Bandy, and all those country and westerns, and, and we all sitting around, campfire going, telling stories, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, and then you see the change in them, they start getting a bit angry, and everyone's getting a bit, you know, all this other stuff starts happening. So me and my cousins sitting back there watching two uncles have a fight, and which one was the better fighter. So that was my role models. I wanted to be like Uncle Watson because he was a good fighter and he beat, he beat Uncle Butter and all that sort of stuff, so you know. So that was it. And you know, I'd be sitting there watching him at the table there and one would have a go at another one. And you look at his shoes underneath, you look at him, he'd have his thongs on, he'd start kicking his thongs off underneath the table and we think, well, they're ready to get into it, you know, and, they, and we're just waiting for it. That was the excitement. So then they'd get into it and then, so I'm 16 and then I'm 18 and then I'm in the nightclubs. I'm in the nightclubs thinking I'm Michael Jackson, you know, for the fantasy of the alcohol. So I'm thinking I'm Michael Jackson, and I'm at the front, then I want to be Lionel Rose, and then I want to be like Uncle Watson and do all these sort of things, you know. And then that would be on Friday and Saturday, and then, and then Monday would come and the police would pull me up and tell me what I did over the weekend, you know. So I didn't remember it. So I said to myself, gee, this is, um, because I'm streetwise, you know, I've been in the streets all my life, so I knew I had to get out of Shepherd. And so I left there and come to Melbourne, and I brought myself with me. I thought it was all my mates and uncles and aunties, I thought it was all their fault, but I come down here and I brought myself with me. And I was doing the same thing down here. I was going to the clubs, doing the same thing. I was married, had two children. I was um, going to the clubs and I was thinking I was, you know, Michael Jackson. Then I thought I was really beautiful and talking to the girls and all that sort of stuff. John Travolta would come on and walk through the floor, you know. Saturday Night Fever, you know, I think I was really cool on the dance floor. And then, you know, and I'd talk to the girls and all that sort of stuff would happen. And then I'd get to the front and my wife would be at the front with the two kids, you know. And I'd say, what are you doing here? And she'd just look at me, you know, and I'd look at the kids in the back, back seat of the car, and then I'd go home with her, you know, because I thought, you know, you, you muck my whole night, I'm going to go home with you now, so but that was just, the, you know, that, that way of thinking. So I went home with her and done it, you know, for a little while. I'd go to the bank with her and, and I'd tell her to go into the bank and put the money in the bank, whatever we were doing, and I'd tell my kids, jump out of the car and wait there with mum, Tom's going to go in the corner and I'll be back in a minute. I'd go around the corner, I'd keep driving, and I'd be in Adelaide or Sydney or anywhere, you know, I'd come back three or four days later. And that's what I did. Um, so I, um, I'd done that for a while, and then I got a job at um, the Board of Works 
was all big belly red faces they all drank so you know I was hanging out with them sort of guys so my journey is going from alcoholics to other alcoholics and just keep mixing with people like that so I'm sitting with them guys at the end of um, the end of the shift and we're all having a drink and all the rest of it and my wife be waiting at the front there with the kids again and she'd be at the front and I'd jump over the back fence and go that way and mate, my mates waiting for me at the corner and I'd do that and I'd miss out on work on a Monday and a Tuesday at the border works and there was a social worker there who said to me um, do you want to go up to Fletcher's house I said what's that he says a place where People got problems with alcohol, and it's up in Beechworth. I said, well, do I have to go? Yes, we want to keep your job. I said, yeah, I'll go, and, I'll go and check it out then, you know. I'll do it to keep him happy. So I went there, and that's when I got introduced to AA. I was sitting in that room when I was about 23, 24, and I heard people share, and I thought to myself, gee, this would have been good for my uncles and aunties, because I'm not an alcoholic. I'm only here to keep my job. So with that attitude, I left there, went back to the Border Works. Two weeks later, I got sacked. It was very hard to get sacked by the Border Works, but I did. And then my journey led me to Galley Amble, and you know, so I was at Gally Amble, there was a guy there, Richard, he's a beautiful man, he's no longer with us, and he gave me a few opportunities at that place, and I was working there on the weekends, I, I kept um, pestering this guy, you know, about getting, getting work there, so he finally gave me a job over the weekend, so that was good, so I'd go there on a Friday night at Gally Amble, I'd um, get in the Gally Amble bus Friday night, I'd drive from St Kilda to Northcote, go to the nightclubs, get drunk, drive back up Hoddle Street, Gally Amble rehab written all over this bus, I'd drive back there, jump back through the window of Galliamble. If you check Galliamble out now, you'll see the bar, um, the uh, bar, um, bars on the windows now. That's because well, that's because I was jumping out of the windows when I was there. So anyway, I'm there, and um, Richard would walk in on the Monday and go, "How did it go over the weekend?" I said, "Yeah, no, it was pretty quiet. Everything was good." He goes, "Well, someone's seen the Galliamble bus drive up Hoddle Street at four o'clock in the morning. Do you know anything about that?" And I said, "No, nah, no, nah, it wasn't me. It might have been one of the boys. One of the boys, Richard." He goes, "Yeah, but you can't talk rubbish to another alcoholic." And he knew. And I, went, I'm sort of, and I knew he knew, so I'd look at him and i think, yeah, right then. And I was back to that stage where I've got to go to more meetings. I've got to go to more meetings to keep this job. So what I was doing, I was going to AA at the start to keep my job, to keep my wife happy, to keep, to, to keep everybody else happy. So I went to a meeting one day at St Francis Church. It was 1993, 5th of August 1993, after a couple of years in and out of AA, talking to, uh, to, lying to myself, lying to other people, but really lying to myself and missing the opportunity of what I've got today. So anyway, I got to that stage. Um, I heard a guy there sharing about other things besides um, drinking. He was talking about all these other things, the gambling, the cheating, the lying, the thieving, all that sort of stuff. That was the environment that I come from. And I knew it was wrong, but I didn't really care. I just wanted to keep doing it. It was a lot easier. So I, I, um, I heard this guy share about this stuff, and I walked up to him at the end of the meeting, and I said, Jack, um, this is talking about sugar and, and um, you, know, Jack, you know, we're talking about Jackie. And he's talking about sugar and, and gambling and all this stuff. And I said, Jack, because I heard him share, I thought to myself, gee, this guy's got a lot of problems, so I'd better go and talk to him. But not, not realising that I had all these problems, that's why I was connected to this guy. So I've got a higher power that was leading me into these sort of pe into these sort of certain people. So I met up with him. I said, which meeting do you go to? He goes, I go to a meeting on the corner of Hotland, Victoria Street on a Sunday night. So I went there on a... Um, on a Sunday after drinking on a Friday and a Saturday looking for sympathy, but you can't get it from this sort of a guy, it's too hard. And, it, and that's what I needed. He said to me, who do you think you are? You're only another grain of sand on the beach. Nobody's special. Get off your ass, go to more meetings. How many meetings you do in a week? I said, oh, I'm just going to this one on a Sunday. He says, you might as well save your tram ticket, but you're not cleaning that stuff out of your head. You need to fulfil it with the stuff that you're going to hear in AA. You need either medicine that's coming from other alcoholics in AA, in AA and not from your bullshit mates that you come from. Straight up. And I went, fair enough. So I'm sitting in the meeting, halfway through the meeting, I walked out of that meeting and I, I was brought to my knees and something was taken out of my, taken out of me. I had a craving on a Friday and a Saturday um, and then 
it was tight. I was brought to my knees and the craving was, was tight. I, I, I was cried, all this stuff come out of me. I said, please take this craving out of me. I wasn't getting it from AA. I was, I was in AA, but I was just listening. I wasn't really taking it in. So it had to be something higher than a man or a woman or than AA. You know what I mean? So, but that happened. And then the journey began, you know. Then they said, you can't drink under any circumstances. Uh, five years later, my wife committed suicide because this is a family disease. I'm telling her, I heard about um, Al-Anon. You should be going to Al-Anon. She goes, no, you're the sick one. I'm all right. But because I was sick at the start and I had that mother figure looking after me all the time, telling me what I should do and what I shouldn't do, because I grew up in AA, she wasn't there. I didn't need her for that reason anymore. So she decided to, um, to hang herself. And then my son walks in on her in the, in the morning and sees his mother hanging on the, in, the, in the kitchen. I'm telling him the, the way it is, just that's the way it is for us, for the sickness of this disease. So she, she, um, commit, she commits suicide, she kills herself, my son sees it, now my son's into the drugs, now he, I come to meetings still after 16 years, and I still hear the message about you can only get yourself right, you've got to get yourself right first, AA comes first before anything, you've got to hand it over, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can, the wisdom to know the difference. I say that a lot in my day when I'm going through certain things like I am now with my son, but that's his journey, I couldn't stop drinking one day um, before it was meant to be happening. And that was at that time, 1993, when I was brought to my knees. Um, and, at that, and at that certain point on the corner of Holland Victoria Street, when I was um, 12 years old, me and my father, my father was drunk. I, I, he staggered into the, back of that, into the back of that church on the corner, and there was a toilet block there. My dad slept on the toilet bowl, and I slept on the floor. And in the morning at 9 o'clock, or 8 o'clock, you'd have these kids coming in. So I'm, I'm their age, walking out of that joint, and they're walking into school. And then... I say 30 years later, I'm getting sober at this place, at the same place. It's unbelievable. And I only realised probably one or two years into being sober at, at this place. I'm thinking to myself, just sleep in that, on that to- in that toilet. You know what I mean? It was amazing. But it's the way the journey is, you know, and it was and, and the reasons why I'm meant to be sober too, you know. I've got a lot of uncles and aunties that don't live over 50 because the disease um, is riddled through the whole community of my people, where I come from. Um, and now I've got un- I've got cousins that are my age that are dying now, you know, they're dying from the, they're, they're starting to catch up to them now, you know, into the drugs and the alcohol. Um, we're going to funerals, your uncle died and had a heart attack, or uncle died and swam across the river, or uncle died and got stabbed in a fight or whatever, but they're all drunk when this happened, and we don't talk about this sort of stuff, you know, they don't want to talk about this after the wake, we're into it straight away, you know, but then they're seeing me still sober, and when I first got sober, I wanted to save my whole community, and then Jack said, you get yourself right, and then God will send them to you, and that's what I had to do that too, I had to let go and continue to do what I had to do for myself. In the steps about going to give it away to keep it. And just by being here tonight for me, it's an honour for me to be standing up in front of you people, um, to be sharing my story, where I've come from, and, and what happened and, what, and where I am today. I've got a culture back for myself. You know, 15, 16 years ago, I was picking up the bottle, and 16 years later, I'm performing with Stevie Wonder in Sydney, and I'm over, I'm mixed with Bono and and Snoop Dogg and 50 Cent and, and all these people, and all this was given to me because of um, being in AA at the start, you know. So I've got a culture back that a lot of other people are interested in, um, and I've been I've been painting and, and doing exhibitions in New York and Japan. I've been doing theatre all over the place. I've never been to school in my life. I don't read or write, um, but I still can do these things. I don't know where it comes from, but it just comes. And so I, my higher power um, uh, give me the blessing of being sober, by, by um, being able to give my natural talent to whoever's out there just by being a powerful example of being sober, you know. 
And that's the part I love about AA. When I first got sober, I thought I'd, I'd be bored, there'd be nothing to do. I haven't got time to scratch myself today. It's been unbelievable. You know, if I'm not doing one thing, I'm doing another. I've got a cultural centre out here at Anarchy now. I've got 12 acres out there. I've got beautiful land out there. I've got um, the, uh, the Yu Yangs and everything there. And I purchased that land out there. And then a month later, I went to talk to the Wathorong people to ask them permission to let them know what I'm going to do out there. And then they done a check on my name, and I'm a direct descendant from John Charles, which is from Wathorong, right from that land that I bought it from. And that was 1849. And they tell me stories about him. And then and I think to myself, you know, I'm, now I'm back there to start this thing where I'm going to be teaching people how to make digits and, and play them under the Milky Way and all that other stuff. It might sound airy-fairy to everybody else, but to me it's beautiful. And that's my journey now, at my age where I'm at. I wouldn't have been able to do it when I was 26, but I can do it now, you know. I'm 43 now, and I, and I love this time where I'm at today. And, um, and the best is yet to come. And nothing is too good for, for recovering alcoholics. And, I, you know, I heard that in AA at the start because I, I knew where I come from, from sleeping out and doing things like that, to be able to mix with other people to do the things I'm doing today. It's amazing. And it's all due to AA. I would not be doing the things I'm doing if I wasn't in AA. And I owe that all to you, you people. And I owe it to my higher power. And I owe it to my ancestors. Lots of things that are going on in my life today. And I've got to learn to let it go. You know, I'm here for myself tonight because... I'm, I'm here to share my experience, strength and hope with you people. And hopefully, like, like Lillian said, if it gets to one person, well, then that's a good thing, you know. And, and, and if that's all it is for me tonight, well, then I'm, I'm in front. And, and I'm also sober. And, um, yeah, I hope you all have a really good convention. And I, I, um, I, it's an honour for me to be here with you people tonight. So have a good convention. Thank you.